Blog Talk Radio. Do these words sound familiar? There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. Or is it? We'll be talking about that today, right here on The Parker J. Cole Show. Welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I'm your host, the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to have a trippy episode. It is going to contain all those things I like to talk about, but don't often get a chance to do it. And we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Rod Smith. He is the host of the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. And just to give you a hint of what we're going to be talking about, Rod exposes the dark and dive into things unexplained, otherworldly encounters, elusive cryptids, and the ancient word of God. He investigates miracles, near encounters with death, ancient structures, divine interventions, angelic battles in the heavens, and so much more. Yes, gang, it is that type of show, and I cannot wait to delve into it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We've been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for 10 years. As God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff. See what you can do. As always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net. Click that pink follow button. You'll never miss a show. Also, go ahead and subscribe to our new YouTube channel for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring Rod on board. Rod, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Parker, and it's awesome to be here with you. I am so excited to have you. I was on your show last year. And I was just so insistent on returning the favor because I had such a good time talking to you, and now we are here. And we are going to be talking about those things that polite Christian company don't like to talk about, the unexplainable, the things that go bump in the night, the things we just do not have a logical answer for. And so I can't wait to delve into three of these topics today, and I'm going to tell you what they are, dear listener, in just a few moments. But right now, I want to peel back the veil and find out what Rod is all about. So go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I've been podcasting for close to five years now. And the whole idea of the Millennial Mustard Seed podcast was I felt small and insignificant in my generation. And uh, obviously, I'm a millennial. And... God really gave me the name for the show and it's a mouthful and it was a little bit difficult in the beginning to try to get people to understand the kind of content I was covering. Um, So I've had a supernatural life all of my life. I've just had a lot of different things happen and I always uh, had trouble going to the church with a lot of my questions, my experiences and things that I was looking into. So Really, what I like to do is cover all these different chasms on the podcast. I interview people from different backgrounds. I've had authors on, doctors, um, laymen. Pretty much what we like to do is 
entertain all the ideas through a biblical filter that the church would not um, accept. Um, whatever your local pastor's uh, not willing to talk about, maybe a sleep paralysis experience that you had, or just a shift in the matrix, right? I mean, there's just a plethora of different stories out there and people that are experiencing things continually throughout their whole life. And there needs to be a safe place where they can talk about that with no judgment, but a place where we glorify God, where none of these weird and creepy things challenge the the authority and the majesty of God, his, his sovereignty. Um, so I looked through everything with a biblical worldview and uh, yeah, in a nutshell, um, I'm just a little mustard seed planting other seeds of encouragement and faith and being unashamed to go into the weird and strange places. Why do shows like yours matter in the larger context of the Christian world? Yeah, so what I experience firsthand is people that have been carrying around these supernatural experiences, whatever it may be, from just dreams to sleep paralysis to seeing things that should not be there, unidentified aerial objects in the sky. When they have a chance to talk about that and they're wrestling with, well, how do, I mean, is my Bible real? Because there, there was information recently, Parker, where we, we were aware of people saying if aliens are real, right, if the government's going to come out and disclose all of this information, they're doing soft disclosures right now. Uh, with the whistleblowers that are participating within Congress, then they were saying, we're going to throw our Bible out. And I'm going, no, 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 no. The Bible is the most supernatural book in all of existence. So it really has been rewarding and refreshing for people that have a Christian overview. They grew up in the church or they have given their life to Christ. And now they are confronted with this otherworldly, strange supernatural realm that the church has neglected. So I have found that through just one-on-one basis and even doing symposiums and speaking um, on these topics, it has really helped people uh, get a license, if you will, to go to these strange places to pray about it and to vent and talk about it. Because I believe every person's story matters. That's why I treat them as if it does. I have to digress for two seconds about the hearings. And what makes me really, really irritated with the hearings is this. They want to whistleblow. All right, great job. Make the GOV confess to gaslighting people for years. Got it. But then they don't give you anything. And I'm sitting here like this. This is my view. You say you have non-human biologics. Dang it, let's look at them, (laughs) okay? Show a picture, regardless (laughs) of agenda, worldview or not. Just show it to us. If you're going to do this whistleblowing, then give us something to whistle at. You know what I mean? Like, I want to go, whoa, yeah. look at the the size yeah. of that alien with the three hands and the two fingers. I mean, I want to see it because in this area, the GLV has worked very hard to say there's nothing wrong. You're all crazy. And then now you're backtracking. All right, fine. Then show us what's going on. And that's what makes me very irritated with the hearings. Some people I talk to about the UAP hearings, they're like, well, if all this is going on, why can't we see anything? What was the point of even whistleblowing we can't see anything? What's your thoughts about that? I'd be interested in your view. In a lot of ways, I see this as a systematic desensitization. So I feel that 
um, you know, since Roswell, right? I mean, it, there's just, this has been going on for a long time, but they present it almost as if it's new information. And I believe they want to control the narrative of soft disclosure um, in order to benefit from it. It's similar to what I would uh, say is the Hegelian dialectic, right? They present a problem that's going on that that's now going to be a universal problem they already have an answer in mind but they present you options uh, and they are happy to uh, contribute to whatever option that the people choose and they give you these solutions and now they're able to kind of box you in by playing the narrative out to their benefit and that's what frustrates me with the, everything that's going on in Congress right now, because I look at it through a real spiritual lens. I look at it with a biblical filter as Christ being supreme and above all. So I lean towards the principalities, powers, rulers, and dominions, the archons that are mentioned in the New Testament. And I, I just think about where Jesus says, take heed that no man deceive you. So I see a lot of this as a psyops, Parker. I see it as a controlled information narrative in order for them to funnel people into uh, further deception. Really, I think they want to control the outcomes. I think they really want to keep the chains on people's mind and limit the information, but, but also overload their system with information. So what I'm experiencing right now in this area of information is people are saying, well, I, I'm not watching. I don't really care because they have pushed so many different agendas through the news that it puts people into a position where they have to now withdraw because it's it's a full-time job to try to figure out what's true and what's not true, right? So now we find people going, I don't even want to go there. I don't care at all. And I think that that's a successful tactic from these elites, the GOV being a participant in this system, in my opinion. So I, I feel the frustration, but I believe that through prayer and through fasting and through reading the word of God and having a personal relationship with Christ, we can offer better answers to the people out there that are struggling with these same topics. I had a gentleman on my show when I first started, and he talked about the lying wonders of Mars. And he also mentioned what happened in Roswell. He also tied it in with the occultic practices of some of the bigwigs who started some kind of faction there in Roswell yes, because you yes. started to see an increase in UFO phenomena after the event in Roswell. Then I was reading another story. I think it was from a creation ministry website talking about how after the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out, generally speaking, the alien phenomena or the reports of how they look changed as well. And so these all have to be taken into consideration. So when I heard about non-human biologics that they're talking about, I really wanted to see what they were. Describe them to me. If you can't show them to me, describe them to me. What do you see? Is it just cells? Is it some unknown organ that they have that we don't have? To your point, if you're desensitizing me to this, you're doing a great job because you're not, again, you're not giving me anything to chew on, to put the meat on, to um, snack on, if you will. So that's why I think a lot of people have felt as I do, but I still find it quite interesting. And I was really watching it for like a day or two when they were doing the whistleblower. I was watching it. I was very intrigued by a lot of things that they said, but at the end of the day, you're not giving me anything. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that as we go into the twilight zone here. Near-death experiences. 
So I personally had a, a near-death encounter at the age of, I was about 19 or 20 years old, and this was a shifting point for me. So one of the things I find very interesting is people that have a near-death encounter um, typically have a life-changing routine unfold after it. I mean, you deal with PTSD from this, and this is something that's widely recognized among people that, that have had these encounters all around the world, regardless of religion, regardless of culture or time period. And so if we just look at the definition of a near-death encounter from uh, Med Tech Virginia, we'll see an unusual experience taking place on the brink of death, and it is recounted after the recovery, typically an out-of-body experience or a vision of a tunneling uh, of tunnel and light. Now, that's not what happened in my case, but I think a lot of the times the systems that are at play, right, we're operating in this world and there's a teaching seminar for how to be successful, for how to follow your dreams, right? It, we're over entertainment, the entertainment industry, and there's a lot of good movies out there and great books out there. I'm not saying that it's, it's worthless, but the stance that I take is there is not enough information out there that talks about what's going to happen when you actually die. It's a guarantee. We're going to leave this temporary vessel and we're going to move on into another realm. And I just think it, it, it's underrated because it's a guarantee for every person who's walking and alive right now and being an experiencer of a near-death encounter. It really did take years to cope with the PTSD and come to terms with, I experienced this. I, I can't put this on the back burner. This is changing my paradigm. Uh, my noodle's broken, right? My brain is not functioning like it did before. I have to start looking at bigger picture, um, you know, thoughts and ideas and just uh, the anxiety of what's really going to happen when I die. But that led me actually to the Lord. I didn't grow up in the church. We used to go on Easter and Christmas, but I believe that God used my near-death encounter to bring me into a strong relationship with him uh, because I had searched for answers everywhere, Parker. And it's just astonishing that we have a seminar and a teaching and, and schools for every topic other than one of the hard realities that all of us are going to face someday. I want to talk about something you just said, that God used your near-death encounter, and thank you for the clarity of using the correct term, to lead you to him. I am recalling a gentleman I reached out to who also had a near-death encounter, and he went from being an atheist to being a Christian, and his experience talking about that. So do you believe that there is a purpose for people experiencing otherworldly or unexplained phenomena? Absolutely. I mean, just from a biblical perspective, we can see how God uses the supernatural. I just, I'll give a couple examples here real quick, just for my Christians out there who keep a Bible close. We can see when David is playing music to Saul that an evil spirit left. It was soothing for David to, uh, David has this anointing on him, and he's playing music, right? So we see uh, this is very supernatural, right? The, the Bible is the most supernatural document in existence, in my opinion. And now let, let's, let's look at Abraham has this encounter with angels, right? They appear to him. They, they eat uh, a meal with him. The Bible says about angels, uh, angelos in the Greek and are they not all ministering spirits that minister to those who inherit eternity? It also talks about the angelic 
realm, um, you never know when you're going to run into one. <laughs> and literally, it says in the Bible, you could be entertaining an angel unaware. So just the fact that there's just a few verses we can go to to show that God uses this supernatural dimension to affect us in uh, the time space that we are currently operating in, it's one of the tools I believe God uses. Now, I would never put compare myself at all to a Joseph by any means, but I will use this example in how God helped me to understand um, my near-death encounter. One of the ways that helped bring me out of the PTSD is when I realized what Joseph had experienced was rejection, betrayal. Um, they intended to kill him, but they sold Joseph into slavery. And after his uh, hardship and deprivation, this long process, uh, the testing, the test did not stop with him, but he kept faithful to God. And at the older age in Joseph's life, he actually makes this declaration to the very brothers that betrayed him, what you intended for evil, God has used it for good. And I could go on and on, Parker. I mean, this supernatural realm is is a tool that I believe God uses very much of the time to get your attention, to uh, work some of the bugs out in your life. I think it's much stranger and deeper than first glance would ever lead to believe. I'm so glad that you responded to that question. One thing that I want this episode to do is give people the safe space that word that you use to be okay with talking about these supernatural things that all of us at some point or another have experienced. Now, you can be as candid as you like, but do tell us about your own near-death encounter. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because for years, I didn't talk about it very much with friends and family. Um, you know, obviously people that are local to me, they, they had asked, hey, what really happened? Give me the rundown here. But it was one of those things where I thought people wouldn't be interested in, and I was having trouble working through this experience because it was traumatic. And now I find myself, I think this is the fourth time I've been on um, invited onto a show to speak about my near-death encounter in the last few months. So it definitely seems to be like something that people uh, are very interested in. But what happened with me, um, and I was raised very worldly, Parker. I, I did not grow up a very good little boy. I was not, uh, <laughs> I had made bad choices. So what happened with me is I found myself in a situation where I was woken up in the middle of the night and a few of my friends had been jumped. There, we were at a party. This is probably 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and the party got crashed by a group of other individuals. And I get woken up. I come down from the third floor of the house that I was in partying, and I come outside. I see a group of guys, and it, it's just mayhem. They, I found myself in a brawl with eight other grown men, and uh, I fought as hard as I could. And I'm, I'm not much of a fighter, but I'm not – Let's just say I'm capable. I'm very capable. And In other words, you're not me. I'm a writer, <laughs> not a fighter. I would just be screaming for help. So. Somehow I'm both now. I don't know how that makes sense. <laughs> but you're young and you think you're invincible, right? And, and mm -hmm. I played football and, and wrestled and boxed when I was younger, so I was very confident. But I did find myself in a situation where I had grown men uh, stomping me into the ground. So in a nutshell, what happens, and this is not just getting beat up. Like most, most people say, oh, I got a black eye. You know, I got beat up. Or 
but they, these guys tried to kill me. You know, I was swollen from the back of my ear on the right side of my face all the way out into the front of my nose. I still have some nerve damage, uh, TMJ in my jaw, uh, hearing issues in the right side of my face, things that I still deal with. Uh, and I say that just to, you know, kind of paint the picture for people that this was a very traumatic head injury and I had traumatic injuries on my ribs and on my back. Um, but what happened is I started to, you know, I started to leave my body. You know, I never left my body completely. Um, yeah, I, and it's kind of hard for, it, it's weird because I've been talking about this more, but it, it is hard to talk about because I feel like you kind of, in a weird way, almost re-experience it minutely. But I never remembered my legs or my knees or thighs leaving my body. But as I was laying on the ground, I, I remember trying to sit up so I could roll to get out of the way. And I was sitting up, but it was the me that is uh, my, my personality, my thoughts, my, my cognitive ability, right? Almost like something from my pineal gland to my solar plexus was moving up and out of my physical vessel. And it was dark and eerie, and I didn't feel any pain. It just, I remember being like, I don't want to leave my body. I don't know how to operate in this realm I'm tapping into. This all happened in moments, and I'm just, I don't know what to expect or what to do. So I kept trying to sit back into my body, and I kind of was falling um, through my body kind of into the ground a little bit. Like, if that makes sense, it's the, the soul and the spirit in me was trying to come out. I remember fighting so hard to stay in my body, and I remember thinking, no, this is not what's happening. I, I don't like what I'm uh, about to experience here if I come out of my body because I didn't have operation like we do here in the physical. You don't have control of your hands in the same way. Everything felt strange, and it almost felt like being in water a little bit. There was like a thin, uh, strange pressure around me, and it, it, I didn't hear anything, Parker, and it was a very, um, very life-changing experience. Um, now, come to find out, you know, when I had uh, went to the hospital, you know, after this experience, my brain had swelled up and was tapping the inside of my skull. Um, so I had traumatic uh, brain injury. And one of the things that was hard to deal with was doctors trying to put these elaborate titles on what you experience, right? And people just trying to write off a quick definition and uh, disregard the emotional state that you're in and how you're trying to express what you experience. I found that to be very difficult because I'm going, I'm an experiencer. Like, it doesn't matter what you say. I was leaving my vessel. I've experienced this now. So it, it doesn't matter what fancy terms you use, help me, right? And I couldn't really find help. Um, so it was a very long, drawn-out recovery process for me. I feel like it stole many years of my, my life, you know, dealing with uh, the post-traumatic stress from, from that. And, and plenty of other things happened, too, where I felt like, uh, especially with Christianity, um, is there some secret back door to Christianity where they talk about these things? Because it's clearly not happening where when I go to the church service or the Bible studies, I have no no healthy way to get information. I have nobody to talk to and, and to weigh out these options against. So it really wasn't until I gave my life to Christ around the age of 24 and I started to read the Bible and, and 
develop a personal relationship with him that I started to understand this supernatural realm. This is very real. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he's getting stoned and shipwrecked, and I believe he's had many near-death experiences. Um, if you read through the New Testament and see what he went through. So once I started to understand that was in the Bible, these kind of things that parallel what I experienced, it helped me to digest it and to heal from it and to move on and in a way where now today sitting here, I can talk about it. I didn't think I'd ever be able to really dive this deep into the experience, especially on a recording. It was hard enough. Uh, sitting with with a friend and, and trying to recant the experience, but uh, God really can—he's um, the great physician. You know, he's he's mighty to heal, mighty to save, and I believe he used this as a wake-up call and a, a way to discipline me also, and to show me that even though they intended this for evil and harm against me, that God is now today using it for good using it as a, a teaching mechanism, as uh, somebody else out there who maybe had one of these experiences, maybe they will go, you know what, I need to process this and talk about it. And maybe that helps them. The ripple effect may end up being that they are, are helped along their process and journey. So that's just kind of where my heart's at on the topic. And that's what happened to me. I think what you said is very moving. It's unique. But it also, and you may have already figured out I was going to touch on this as I was listening to you tell your story, you made mention, whether you were conscious of it or not, of soul and spirit. And that brought me to the triune nature of God. And with you saying how there was awareness of your soul and spirit being outside of your body, let's us know that we have a replica, if you will, of the triune nature of God, which is body, soul, and spirit. Is that something that you deliberately said, or is this something that you realized as you were having this near-death encounter? I knew, I just knew how strange the experience was, and I didn't have the language for what I was experiencing at the time. But once I understood, because it's like when people say, oh, there's a bad spirit or a ghost, right, or bad energy. I mean, there's a bunch of different terms people can use to express spirit, right? And I believe that our spirit can be influenced, right, for good or for bad. But I believe the soul is like this. It's the seat of the human experience, you know, and and, and I, I just that's what I believe, you know, after kind of learning and going through things like this and, and just finding the healing in God. I just I had to agree because of my personal experience. I didn't say that intentionally, but that is the language that God's given me. Um, to understand we, we are triune we're created in his image and in his likeness so yeah uh, we have a body a soul and a spirit and um, it's pretty pretty much as simple as that for my my experience and, and how I believe it to be it gives rise to people who discredit the idea that we as Christians do have spiritual gifts and abilities. Now, I'm not talking about the mutants like X-Men. I don't think it's that type of ability that we're referring to, but in the spirit. For example, yeah. if I'm to add to this conversation my own experience, it would be that sense of empathy I have that comes out physically. Like I can be around someone and instantly sense something's off with them and my body physically reacts to that. 
For example, I was I was at a place recently and a person passed me and everything inside of me recoiled unexpectedly. It was scary. <laughs> That's the only way to describe it. And I said, what is that? You know, you, you can't explain it. But when I say everything inside of me recoiled as if there was a revulsion that went so deep, this person is not right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, Rod? And yes, I do. This gives rise to understanding the spiritual gift that God has given us. And even the Apostle Paul talks about it in the New Testament. So now you have this near-death experience. You're able to talk about it, even though it is still difficult. And I can even hear the hesitancy in your voice as you were discussing it, not because you don't want to share. Like you said, you're reliving this experience. It brings me to mind about the type of freedom you experienced once you said it the very first time and how someone listening can also be affected by that. I talk about the ripple effect quite often. You know, a, a very good friend of the show and a personal friend is Dr. Laura Sanger. She wrote a book called The Roots of the Federal Reserve. Um, and she's, let's just say it's, it's traveling around to the right people. And when me and her talked before I interviewed her for the first time, she's been on the show about five or six times now. Um, a few years ago, she had shared with me that she was listening to a podcast that had helped her connect some dots about questions and, and things that she was wrestling through. And that ripple effect uh, actually caused her then to write a very successful book that is helping to change the paradigm um, as to the monetary systems and the antediluvian times and the connection thereof. And so I really, and just messages I've gotten from people, emails and messages and just uh, people saying that, them hearing these experiences that, that I personally had and talk with other people about how it's changed and shifted in their life. Um, so I think it's just really provocative that we have this generation of people that, that are going through um, a, a, a bunch of different things. And I'm honored to have a place for people to share those experiences and to take that deep dive. And I feel like I forgot your question originally, Parker. I'm sorry. Can you remind me what you just asked me a moment ago? You did answer the question as okay. when you gave the example of Dr. Sanger. And what I find significant, too, is that the Bible does speak of children, of sons and daughters, being awakened, if you will, with these abilities. Um, yes. It yes. talks about that. Now, people nowadays, we tend to get really clinical. And I grew up Baptist, and Baptist people can get real clinical, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> we can get so <laughs> clinical. And it's not against every Baptist person out there. I'm not saying that. But if I can do this really quickly, charismatics really understand and embrace the spiritual nature of God. They are believing God because he doesn't always, he's not confined by the natural, but he works in the supernatural. And so when we talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual encounters, they tend to be more readily accepted, acceptable of this. Whereas, you know, I grew up Baptist, <laughs> so, you know, um, not that we didn't believe in the spiritual. Yeah. Now, some Baptists, they don't believe in the spiritual world at all. They think it's just something for the Bible to be metaphorical about. It's that you have to understand that God is not limited like we are. I exactly. we recently at our church, we, um, I think last year sometime, we all experienced the supernatural healing of a man. 
and this faith healer, and I was, of course, very skeptical, okay, because the faith healers, you see them on TV throwing people on the floor and all the other kind of stuff. And the faith healer just simply talked to the guy on the phone. And he made mention that one of the reasons why people don't get healing is because of unforgiveness in their heart. Exactly. And he talked about that. But the guy talked to him and everything, and he healed him. He healed him. And on the doctor's medical records for his condition was recorded that this man had been supernaturally healed. And there was no explanation for it. I needed that reminder. And I was talking to a fellow, because uh, I'm in the choir there, I was talking to a fellow choir member. I said, why do we forget that God doesn't work in our realm? Why do we forget that? What do you think is the answer? Why do we forget that miracles do happen, that the supernatural is real, that there are real spiritual forces at play here? Why do we forget that? Why, do, why don't we focus on these things? That's an excellent question. And what what I've noticed through my research and through working with people is that the occult systems of this world today, right? You have all of these different dark groups, and I feel like they've hijacked a lot of the truth that was intended for us as God's children, and they perverted it. And so a lot of the times people are like, oh my gosh, you can't go there, or that's fringy, that's new age, that's this and that. But really, when we look at the biblical narrative, there's holy what's set apart and sacred, and then there's the perversion. And we know that Satan likes to pervert God's word. He likes to pervert the truths that God has for us. Now, when I think of grounding, for example, which is pretty popular right now, this is something that does not contend, in my opinion, for uh, your Christian mindset. I think it, we should ground ourselves, right? We have energy flowing through our bodies, and if we walk on the earth with no rubber that uh, – stops the flow of energy, rubber soles on our feet. Um, if we remove our shoes and ground our feet to the earth, it has been scientifically proven to help with inflammation, to help literally with, with overall exhaustion, back pain. I mean, there's a bunch of health benefits to that. That's, I use that as one simple example to show how the new age and these dark demonic forces, the principalities, powers, rulers, and dominions have perverted a lot of this natural, organic information that was intended for us as children of God. And so once I started to understand that, I, I was not as hesitant to go into certain areas that most people don't know exist or that they'll call you a heretic for going there. But I believe that we, if we're in Christ Jesus and we're pursuing that relationship, we are holy before him because it is God that works in us and through us to cause his will to come about. And I think the state of redemption that God is looking to do is, yes, in the, in, he wants people to get saved and to get healed and to have deliverance and to come into this eternal kingdom that when we leave this physical uh, bodily experience, when the harpazo happens, that we're with him. But he also wants to redeem that which he had created, which he said was good in Genesis. Uh, we look at the GMOs we eat today, Parker, the, the genetically modified foods. Uh, it just Here's another example that comes to mind. We have BPAs that are in all of our plastic drinking bottles. Now, BPAs are proven. This is factual information. This is not conspiracy theory. So I've been accepting a lot of apologies lately because I've been called a conspiracy theorist over the last few years. Not anymore. But if you look into what BPAs are, they actually hinder the testosterone process in males, right? So it, it gives you an over-increase of estrogen, and it 
breaks down the testosterone and hinders a masculine designed body, wonderfully and fearfully made in God's image, from processing that testosterone and holding the correct amounts of it. That is chemical warfare. That's chemical warfare, in my opinion. Now, add in the stress and fear, which fear is actually shown to lower your immune system. You know, the amygdala, this portion of your brain, it's also been called the reptilian portion of the brain, but that's where the fight or flight choices can be made. And if you're in a fearful state, you can lower your own immune system. So we can see how the enemy has perverted a lot of this information and despiritualized all of it and took the essence of, well, God tells us not to fear, not to be afraid. He also says this is our holy temple. We should be eating right. We should be exercising and taking care of our temple. And we should be very well aware of the environments we're in, what we're putting in our body. And I'm not saying make a movement and go start hugging trees and, and acting crazy. What I'm saying is that we're not ignorant to the devil's devices. You know, we're, we're like Bereans. We study daily with a readiness of mind to accept that which is true. And if we really do work out our salvation with fear and trembling before God, you, would, uh, you me, and everyone else are pleasantly um, – we will pleasantly experience the fact that there is a ton of false information out there that is hindering us from being uh, the way that we were intended to be, which is healthy and in good communication to be the ecclesia, the church, um, many members, diversity of gifts. And I see these attacks, uh, on many different rabbit trails that lead to the stage of this massive slaughtering of our generations and every generation before, because it also says in the word, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. So God is telling us we have to be wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. So in a nutshell, I mean, I could go on and on, Parker, and this is one of the, the things that I talk about intermittently on the podcast, depending on the guests that I have on. But, you know, really, God has the answers, the occult and these dark um, Illuminati groups, these satanic ritual groups have stolen a lot of this information and flooded the rest of the world with an overstimulation of entertainment. They made it into movies and into all of these just uh, an overstimulation with technology. So people really don't, they're not able to process this because the warfare is in the technology and the prince of the polity, uh, the prince of the powers of the airways, he's not playing around. So I love talking about these things because God can get glorified through us processing all of this information around us through a biblical filter and by calling on his name. One thing I want to piggyback on that you said is this knowledge, particularly about what we eat. A friend of mine recently was telling me about how a lot of things can be saw with our diet. As I was listening to what they were saying, I could wholeheartedly concur. Because you have a lot of overweight people. Why are children coming up with more autism? Why is all this type of things happening? Is it the diet that we eat? I do have a young lady who has been on the show several times. And I would like you to speak to this too before we go to our next Into the Twilight part here. She mentioned how she used to be in the New Age. As such, she wants to avoid anything that has a radical spiritual element to it. There are people who have come out of the New Age and have accepted Christ who actually become extremely clinical because the New Age does subsist and exist on heretical teachings about the spirit world. What would you say to that? Yeah, I see this all the time. I, 
I deal with people that have been satanically ritually abused. We call them survivors or DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. And a lot of the times these people have been weaponized, right? The trauma-based mind control that a lot of these people have went through in the New Age movement through all of these different levels of trauma, what we are finding out is that the enemy had plans to use these people to contribute to the destruction of their families, to make their bloodline, uh, to hinder it from coming into the knowledge of who Christ is. And so if I was to speak to this, there's many people yet to come out of the new age. And there's a process that needs to take place that I don't think the church has identified as being as critical as it is, because the Bible says first to pray um, that we are to bind the strong man before we plunder the house. A lot of the times you go to the corporate churches, they spend five minutes in prayer. So I think it's imperative that we are praying for people. And then at the same time, we are discipling people. Um, going above and beyond, letting the tires hit the road, the rubber hit the road, if you will, um, and just bearing each other's burdens and so fulfilling the law, really taking these people on and not labeling them and saying, oh, my gosh, you're crazy, or you believed in the occult or all these strange things, but slowing down, making sure that we are solid in our belief and faith first, because we can't help anybody. We can't talk about the, the stick in, or the log in someone else's eye if we have a stick in our own, or maybe I'm saying that backwards, but I, I hope you understand what I mean there. I get the point. You're fine. <laughs> and as long as we're taking our our personal, you know, journey with Christ um, to a, a respectable extent, as in we're we're praying daily, we're reading the Word, we're allowing time to go past. We're not rushing through and just trying to give good answers, but we're actually spending the time in the, these places. We're we're working with people. We're wrestling through our own experiences, taking our thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ. I believe we can unlock the the supernatural and, and power in people to be game changers for this crooked and perverse generation that we find ourselves in. Um, and I love the way that Dan Duvall says it. He's a friend of the show. He's been on multiple times. And he says, every single person that we work with to get freed from all of the past traumas, bad experiences, just everything they dealt with in life. That is a justice case in against the kingdom of darkness. That's a justice case against the kingdom of darkness because the last point I'll, I'll drop to drive that home is we all know with the mafia, the way that they had always worked is intimidation. So if they intimidate the person and they don't testify well, then there's no judgment against the persecutor. But if we testify, if we share our testimony, if we work through these traumas, if we start to come together and actually understand, though they intended this for evil, God can and will use it for good. Because according to our faith, we're healed. So we need to develop that faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And, and really, I'm a proponent for that because the, the people I've dealt with, uh, and I don't say names or companies, but I'll just spread it out this way. I've talked with CEOs. I've talked with active military, retired military, police officers, government officials. Um, I just had a roundtable, Parker, with five other people. There was um, a couple of different radio stations there. And Nate from, he's the, oh, geez, the communications connections director for all of MUFON in Canada. And you just see these reports. Nate is 
talking about how many people are coming out of the new age and the occult right now and finding Jesus Christ and finding healing and better answers, a biblical, um, the, the Bible having answers for everything they experienced. And it's filling them up because everything else, it's like they kind of dangle some fun information in front of you. They kind of lead you down the trail a little bit, but then you find yourself never being filled up, never getting healing, and now it just becomes knowledge puffeth up, right? Oh, Ancient Aliens talks about all this and that, and there's so many times I hear stuff, people send me stuff, I even watch stuff, and I'm like, you're so close, you're so close, you know? They just don't understand the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, or, or um, they don't understand the divine counsel worldview that the Bible talks about. You know, these yeah, Dr. Heiser really helped Dr. Build Michael that Heiser. Up. Yeah, he passed he, away, though. Yes, um, and I almost had him on the show. I was so close, but then he had gotten sick. I've had mm-hmm. some of the people that he has worked directly with on, on the show to discuss that. But we're, we're a bridge now. You know, we're a bridge for this, Parker. Me and you and everybody who's listening who doesn't think I'm a kook at this point in time, and you read your Bible, we're a bridge for other people to help them get better answers from a biblical standpoint and, and to, to dive into these strange and fringe topics because it's a lot of fun and it's necessary. Speaking of strange and fringe topics, the next thing we're going to touch on is one I'm pretty sure all of us have had, which is deja vu. The thing that you have done this before, even though you don't have a present memory of it, it's just a sensation, just a preternatural type of thing. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, so deja vu, which is another interesting thing. In in French, uh, deja vu means already seen, already seen or already experienced, right? And this is happening once again across all of religious uh, standards, all denominations, it doesn't matter where you're from in the world, people have experienced deja vu. Um, I've had this happen, uh, I hear in most cases, at least statistically, they say deja vu starts to decrease as you get older, but in my case, I find it to happen quite frequently. I would say anywhere from three to five times all the way up to 12 to 15 times a year. And it's just, it is consistent throughout my life. And it can last anywhere from 30 seconds up to 10, 10 minutes. Now, this is a really difficult thing to dive into because we all have the experience with deja vu and we're trying to express how it makes us feel. Like I can finish this person's sentence and a, a truck is about to drive by, right? That's this color and beat the horn. And like it, when you're experiencing deja vu, you know exactly what is going to happen for as long as the experience is, if it's 30 seconds long, you know everything that's going to happen. And you're like, I've been here. I've already seen this. This is creeping me out. And it's it's one of these things where I have my own experiences with it. Uh, I know what the research says, but it is strange, Parker. I think there's some really weird webbing and weaving that, that goes on into the, the dream world, the sleep world, right? A different dimension, if you will. And I think it also parallels with like the Mandela effect. And, you know, it's just a very strange topic, but everybody has an experience with deja vu. And I think that's what makes it fun to talk about because now it's the people should get the nostalgia of if they, especially if they've had deja vu recently, that was very intense and it should kind of stir and drum them up to interest. Like, yeah, why are these things happening? And why isn't anybody talking about it? Where can I find better answers, right? I'm hoping that that stirs your audience up to uh, dig into it a little bit deeper. Depending on the intensity of the experience that you have, it could be something like I experienced where I said, 
did I do this already? Sort of like that type of thing to where, like you said, you know what's going to happen. You're going to see this truck pass over. I was watching a secular podcast a friend of mine sent to me, and the gentleman talked about how he believed we lived in a simulation. That's why people experience deja vu. What would be your response to that? I don't think it's strictly materialistic, and he is a materialist. This particular gentleman was a materialist. So what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I don't personally subscribe to the simulation theory, but what I would say is if we look at Planck length theory, right? So let's look at hard scientific evidence, things that are relevant right now. In Planck length theory, if we were to take a piece of string and cut that piece of string in half and then take that half, uh, one of the halves and cut that in half and continue to do that all the way down and uh, let's observe the process under a microscope, right? We would get to a point where the string would lose a property called locality and it would enter into the plasmic realm, plasma, right? It would actually be everywhere at once. And what we're finding out is that the Bible's been accurate all along when it says we are the shadow of a larger reality. And that's why I think um, the merging of these, these things that are being learned in science right now are important to an extent, although uh, a lot of these things will steal the faith journey from people because faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of the unseen but there are people out there that their brain thinks this way they have the engineering kind of mind and they're very analytical or meticulous and they want to know how things work and that's good that's not a bad thing that's a great thing we love inventors we love people who think that way but what i would say is is just even right now in science we see the depiction of what the biblical narrative has been saying all along all along. So I don't subscribe to the simulation uh, theory or belief system because we are physical and we're here. And each one of us believes that we have value, right? That's why we want to be treated morally well, right? That's, we have value. And uh, so I think that the truth is stranger than fiction. And in a lot of ways, as people find out what the truth is, it, it can get you really upset. But uh, I don't think we're just uh, ones and zeros flipping through a screen here, Parker. I think that we're much more than that. And it's, yeah, it, it actually could turn into a whole entire episode just elaborating on that, using biblical scriptures to support the idea that we are wonderfully and fearfully made and everything matters, and also sharing personal experiences on that. But just from a, like a 30,000-foot view quick, I hope that that kind of helps uh, clarify my stance on that. Also, too, we have to be real because the pain that we experience matters. If it didn't matter, it wouldn't make any lick of difference if someone took a child and cut off its head. It wouldn't matter. It would be just something that happened. But thankfully, God doesn't work in those types of situations like that. He doesn't say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your pain is real or imaginary. So my next question deals with something you already alluded to, and you alluded to the Mandela effect. Now, I can go into a textbook explanation of the Mandela effect. You go ahead and describe it to our listeners. Yeah, so the Mandela effect is, is another interesting one, and there's a lot of information floating around uh, on the Mandela effect right now, but just taking a glance at what they say it is, they as in whoever wrote these depictions for us, 
The Mandela Effect is a phenomenon where people misremember facts or events that are different from the current reality we're experiencing. Uh, some examples just go for like the Mr. Monopoly. A lot of people remember Mr. Monopoly having a monocle, and he never did, or Snow White's line, mirror, mirror, on the wall. It doesn't actually say that. It says magic mirror on the wall. And the list goes on and on. Darth Vader's line, Luke, I am your father. It's, it's not what it actually says. And I'll, I'll leave the audience to go find out, do some research there. You put a, put a little bit of uh, typing work in to find out what's actually being said there. And it'll surprise you. So we have, this is happening on a huge scale where people are experiencing this in large numbers all around the world. And I know that there's better answers for this, but I would allude to the fact that even in the English language, I think that there's some issues in the English language. I think if we look at the root words of English, um, a lot of it uh, scarily to come to the realization of, it has uh, occultic um, backgrounds. I mean, so just some of the way that the, the words are pronounced and the bridging of the words, I believe a lot of times it was constructed to do incantations and to carry out spells. And I think it is the language of business. So the whole entire world buys and sells using this language currently. So there's, there's a lot of things I could look at when it comes to the Mandela effect, but really it's our memory has failed us in certain ways. There's certain things that are just unarguable. Like we know that, you know, it says mirror, mirror on the wall. I watched the movie a hundred times. How could I be mistaken? Yeah. There's some strange things going on here. When we look at CERN and what CERN is really doing today, if we don't just buy that surface level definition of what they're, they say that they're doing, but it, we dive a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that there's, I haven't quite pinpointed it. I have uh, many reserved thoughts on the Mandela effect, but I think that the veil's thinning, Parker, and we're seeing the repercussions of a, um, a age of deception happening right before our eyes. Well, this has a lot to do with Satan being called the prince of the air. It has a lot to do with understanding that as people drift away from the Lord, you allow these spiritual beings and entities to have influence more. And one thing that I think happens is that we are protected from these influences because we have the blood of Christ on us and within us and the spirit of God is in us and we're protected from a lot of things. And so with that in mind, what I want to do is just get ready to shut down today because I know for our listeners, we have had a fun time talking about these very interesting things. And so what I want to do is give people an opportunity to discover where you are, Rod, and how they can listen to your podcast as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. And this is edifying for me as well, Parker. And, and I really loved having you on the podcast last year. We, we covered creativity and originality, and, and that was a, a special one for me. And, and I want to have you back again. We need There's plenty more to discuss over here on the Mustard Seed. But where people can find me, I'm not very active on social media. I do have an Instagram and a Facebook page. I, I'm not super active there, but it's the Millennial Mustard Seed. Uh, you can find me on pretty much every platform. I think we're on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, pretty much anywhere that you can find uh, good podcasts. That's where the show is found. And, um, yeah, by the grace of God, we've been growing. This is season four this year. Uh, we've knocked out a lot of episodes. We talked with a lot of different people. 
Um, I'm super surprised to find out uh, using Listen Notes, which is kind of like a credit score for your podcast, that we are in the top 3% globally at this point in time. We've gotten downloads in all 50 states and like I think 70 some countries. So this little tiny mustard seed is growing. It's being watered <laughs> and I'm humble and meek. Meek is uh, having reserved power, having humility, but, but knowing where our power comes from. It comes from God. And uh, it's been an honor to be here with you, Parker, just because I feel like what you have done and you've been doing this a long time and just to see how anointed and blessed everything that God gave you is and how it continues to grow, it's an inspiration to me. So it's been an honor to just be here with you for this crazy, cool and fun discussion. And I really hope to have you back on my show again. And yeah, let's, let's do a part two. Let's do a part two. There's plenty more to talk about. We definitely will go into the twilight zone again with Rod Smith, not Serling, as our host. So stay tuned right there, dear listeners, as we get that together on the other side of the screen. Rod, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Really enjoyed having you. Cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank you, Parker. God bless. And we'll talk to you again. And we were talking today to Rod Smith. He is the host of the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Go ahead, subscribe to his podcast, and get involved in the weird, wonderful, and unexplainable. Go ahead, subscribe to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast, wherever podcasts are heard. Thank you so much for joining me for this trippy episode of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day, and God bless.